0: My wealthiest client was worth twenty two million dollars, mm-hmm. and their mindset was different, right? Growing up in the hood, I thought the person who had the thing was the was the richest, <laughs> right? My twenty two million dollar guy looked like a bum, right? He had a t shirt on all <laughs> the side He had time. a whip. He had a whip. He he had a, 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 none of that. jewels. None of that. He walked he walk in the bank, and you and you, you, people would walk past him.
1: Hey, what's going on, family? Welcome to the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. If you are a black entrepreneur, right, trying to figure out how can I grow and scale my business, or you're trying to figure out how can I get the principles, the wealth, so I can make more money, create more money, and then pass that money down to a legacy, you're in the right spot. And today, I mean, this is the perfect conversation. Because <laughs> yes, I got my man ah! in the building. You know, I had, to, I had to get a few episodes done before I brought this dude in, right? I was, I was wondering,
0: man. I was, <laughs> I was feeling kind of <laughs> way. I saw my friends on here. I said, yo, I don't want to hit me up for, for, man, for an episode yet, man. Y'all,
1: listen. Yes, edge Cash in the building, and Mr. Abundance is your birthright. Yes, sir. Um, and I'm excited to have y'all. But I'm serious. I was like, look, Edge is professional <laughs> out here. I was like, you know, me, Alex, and the crew, we can't be fumbling around. <laughs> appreciate you, appreciate <laughs> episode two you. or three. Even though I'm sure to get the eyeballs, yep, man. Yeah. Um. But but thank you for being on.
0: Nah, thank you, brother. Appreciate
1: you. Thank appreciate you on. So you. Yeah. so for the people that don't know you. Um, how do you introduce
0: yourself to them? Man, I, you know, Ash Cash, the financial motivator. Um, I just help people live in abundance. I help people realize, uh, their God-given ability, um, so that they could be doing, have anything that they desire in life. Um, I'm somebody who was a former 15 year, uh, banking executive, but, um, you know, grew up in the projects in, in, in Harlem, St. Nicholas Projects, was told um, that I'd be dead or in jail by 25, by 24 as a VP at one of the largest financial institutions in the world. And um, I'm just the voice of the underdog. I, anybody who's ever been told that they can't do something, use my life as an example. Like I have a, a shirt that says, I am greatness on display. And that's what I want. That's that's what I want my life to be to represent is greatness, but I want to display that greatness so anybody who's had ever, ever any doubt about anything that they want to accomplish, they, they'll look at me and say, you know what? If Ash could do it, I could do it. Mm, I love it. And, and what
1: you said is something I was going to touch on, because what I love about your viewpoint from money, wealth, all those type of things is actually your background. Because mm-hmm, yeah. you got a background a lot of people don't have, where a lot of people are just, hey, passionate about it. I dig into it. I do some things. you like, hey, I literally was a VP
0: at a bank. Yeah. So I'm assuming that kind of gives you a different perspective and a different lens. Yeah, one percent. percent So the, the crazy thing about it is when I started my career as a banker, it was just something that I was just like, yo, I want to make a lot of money, you know? But as I went through all of the different positions in banking, from teller to personal banker, I want to say... My position as a private banker w- is what changed my whole life. So, um, you know, for me as a private banker, that's anybody who had at least 250,000 in investable assets or above. Um, they had a like a banker assigned to them to help them, you know, manage their money. Uh, my wealthiest client was worth $22 million. Mm-hmm. And their mindset was different, right? Growing up in the hood, I thought the person who had the thing was the was the richest, <laughs> right? My twenty-two million dollar guy looked like a bum, right? He had a T-shirt on all the time. He had time. a whip. He had a whip. Yeah, none of that. Jewels, none of that. He walked. He walk in the bank, and you and you, you people will walk past him. Um, but I start as I started to talk to him um, and manage his money, and 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 hear how he looks at wealth, looks at money, um, even from a business perspective. Like I remember, uh, there's a store in Harlem on One Twenty Fifth Street that he owned. He owned two stores that. To the naked eye, you thought were competitors, mm. but he owned both, both of them. And so I'm, I'm thinking, like, why would you open two stores that are like identical to each other, right next to each other, thinking that it'd take away? But that's lack like mentality, right? Mm, yeah. Abundance mentality says and and is better than or. And so what he taught me was, if one is doing well and there's a saturation in that in that market, then why reinvent the wheel? Why not just put a store right next to to the one that's already doing well. You know the clientele is there. You know a lot of people uh, want competition. They want choices. Exactly. And it's so exactly. crazy because now, like, when I was growing up, I would go to that one store if, if I didn't like if it was too busy, if it's too packed, and I like what they, <laughs> I don't like what y'all saying to me. I would go to the other store knowing that he cornered the market. So I think that position as a private banker, having access to wealthy people, seeing how they thought. Um, changed my life forever, and you know Einstein says a mind that stretched to a new, you know, you know size never, never could could stretch back. And so just seeing that um, helped me a lot. Um, and and you know when I became an entrepreneur, I just used sort of like those self, same wealth principles to create wealth for myself and my family, but then also teach it as well.
1: That's good. So let let me dig back into that what you were talking about for a little bit. So at a certain point you said okay this is a career path I'm going into but was it because of the money cuz I want to be closer to the money or was it just cuz hey that salary pays well like like what was it the major going to Yo
0: honestly it was like uh divine like I was uh I was working at Blockbuster videos Fast shout out the Blockbuster <laughs> videos right and um I had it it's grown out I, here yo, you, you know I'm saying like ain't if working if you, know, you know and I, I know I look like a baby <laughs> out here but you know what <laughs> what I'm saying? I'm a, like a young OG out here you know what <laughs> what I'm saying? Uh, I was working at Blockbuster videos I was like nine, I was I was I started at 17 um, and then by 19, I had I had already become an assistant manager. Mm. The next step at Blockbuster was store manager. I was like, I don't want to really be a store manager. Uh, and fate would it's, have in it. Retrospect, that probably was a good exactly. move. Exactly, <laughs> that was one of the best moves, right? Um, but you know, one of the assistant managers, she was working two jobs. She was working at Blockbuster and and at Chase Bank.
1: Okay.
0: And one day she just came in and was like, "Yo, Chase is hiring. Like, do you want to, you know, you know, do, you know, be a banker?" And I was like, man, I got the experience already. Mm-hmm. And being a teller paid more than being an assistant manager. And I already knew that I didn't want to be a store manager. And right. I and I, and I I looked at bank and I was like, if I'm, if I'm a teller making more money, at least, you know, there's so many different things Where'd I could do. So I said, right. let me just try it. I didn't even know I would like it as much. Uh, but I think that the moment that I walked in there, I think the moment that changed my life, right? That's why representation is important. Um, I walked in there. And there was a black guy, fashion out to Michael Black, um, you know, Jamaican, who was the branch manager in Madison Square Garden. I said, wow, like this black dude, like runs this whole thing. Like yeah. he's the boss. Like he, all of these white people, like he, he's the boss of everybody. I said, oh, and so it, it just made me realize um, that the opportunity was so much greater. Um, and so as I, you know, jumped in um, and just realized how, uh how good it was to help people manage money. Like this, it wasn't only about the money that I was making. Yeah. There was like this feeling where uh people would come in and you would give them solutions. And you know, you know, you know, banking in, in the past was like a service. It wasn't sales. You go into a bank now, nah, they try to sell you something. Right but before it was like a service. So they would like really sit down with you and ask you for solutions. And, you know, and, and that, and that was the, the most, the most gratifying part of being a banker for me. Um, and so I just, you know, I just wanted to keep seeing like, you like, how, how far can I take it? Um, and the farthest I got was a CEO. I was, a, I was a CEO of a credit union. Um, and I was, you know, I did that for about a year, but, but I was like, all right, now it's time you know, to take my talents. You know, to South Beach. No, take my talents. <laughs> you know, what I mean take my talent. You know, worldwide. Yeah. And then I, you know, I started. I started. You know, doing financial education, writing books, and things like yeah. that. So, how old were you when you
1: were the CEO? Of thirty-one.
0: The wow. Yeah. So I. So, so I, still I was young. Yeah, I'm about to say I, Yeah, like I, that. Think, I think I think I was probably one of the youngest uh, CEOs of a of a federally chartered bank at the time. Right. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, thirty-one years old. So I
1: know for a while because you got numerous books and you started writing. Were yeah. you writing the books while you also were in the bank working those positions or did that come later?
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, so my first book came out in 2009. I actually remember writing in Mind Right, Money Right, 10 Loads of Financial Freedom. Um, I opened a bank in Co-op City in the Bronx, brand new branch, $8 million project. Um, I used to come to the bank early um, and I, I wrote it on my Blackberry. So, I, so I'm giving mm. y'all, you know what I'm saying? This was 2008. Uh, I literally would come to the bank, sit and be on my BlackBerry typing this book up. And so my first book, I was mind right, money right, 10 us of financial freedom. I actually wrote that while being a branch manager at Chase. Wow. And throughout the years, it, f- funny story, though, um, Ash Cash is a is a nickname that I had when I was young. I was licensed at the time. I, y'all can't do nothing to me now. I was licensed <laughs> at the time, right, with Chase. So I yeah. had my six, my 63, life health. and um, when you're licensed, you have to get permission to do any outside activities. Okay. And so I, I could, so I, so I could not write the book with the name Ash Exantis, which is my okay. my real name okay, yeah. because the, you know, they, they would find out. And so I was like, you know what? Ask for forgiveness, not for permission. So I, I was like, oh, let me use the alias Ash Cash. <laughs> right. And then, so, so I wrote, I wrote the book. You know, under the name Ash Cash, was still a banker, right? I was, it was like it was like Superman, Clark Kent. You know what I'm saying it was Ash Exantis and then you know, you know, Superman was Ash Cash, and you know, I wrote the book, um, and then eventually. Ash Cash got bigger than Ash Exantis. Mm. In fact, like if you if you Google Ash Cash, Ash Exantis comes up and vice versa, right? <laughs> yeah. So Ash Cash got bigger and I, I just could never go back to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wrote, you know, I started writing a book while I was working at the bank. Um, and then you know, I you know, I've always been a believer of multiple streams of income. So even when, you know, I had, you know, jobs, I was still making sure that I was doing stuff on the side because, you know, at the end of the day. Um, I didn't own the job, yeah. right? I could get fired, downside, the recession, all that could happen. And what happens to me? But if I have a book, like I still to this day get paid from a book that I wrote in 2009. Wow. You know what I'm saying? To this day. And and it's a popular book. It got my face on it now. When I first wrote the first edition, it didn't have my face on it. But then once I wound up quitting, you know, the bank, I I, I revised it, put my face on it. But it's one of my my top selling books to this day. Um, And so I I love the model, the the wealth principle of changing your relationship with money, right? Mm. Instead of working hard for money, make money work hard for you. Create an asset that you do one time that asset you created one yeah. time, and let it pay you over and over and over again.
1: Mm, that's good, and you know, and even even when you talked about what the uh, balancing the side hustle yeah. with your main job, right? That takes me back. I worked at a TV station, ran an IT department, and so because I was a manager, I had like certain paperwork I had to fill out in non compete stuff, and I'll never forget going into the HR, and we were doing our first movie. And I was like, okay, this is a TV station, right? And we doing like, like they really came out none of the other right, stuff right. we're doing. Hey. And you know, they were like, you know, what's this thing you're doing? I was like, oh, it's a little movie. Yeah. This, this, mm-hmm. this family and friends. Nobody will exactly. ever see it, right? right, right. Uh, then years later, here we are, exactly. right? But, but, exactly. but I love that. Now, when you did the book, you launched the book. Um, I want to talk about the transition between working the nine to five, leaving the bank and then going full-time in entrepreneurship. Yeah. Was it at this point you got multiple books, they got money coming in, speaking gigs attached? Was it just the fact that, hey, you feel like the next phase of my life is ready and maybe all the revenue isn't there, but I'm going to figure it out? Yeah. What did that look like for you?
0: Man, it was a disaster. Mm. Um, I was, I was making all this money, living a six-figure lifestyle. Uh, I bought my first home, I was 25 years old, uh, my wife and I, um, you know, married. Had a kid. Uh, my my daughter at the time was two years old, and I said, "Yo." Matter of fact, I wrote when I wrote my first book, um, Black Enterprise. You know, wrote wrote something on me. And back then, magazines was it, it was everything. That was everything. Yeah. So so Black Enterprise. Black Enterprise is, is the, the yo Black the, Enterprise. The, you know what I'm saying? So, right so I got on Black Enterprise, Hot 97, Seven. I said, "Oh, I I walked into my my job like, yo, I quit. Like I'm gone." <laughs> Um, it is a CEO job. Nah, this is, no, this I, is I was at a Carver Bank at the time. Okay. So yeah, so you know, after I left Chase, I went to Carver um to you know run a black bank. I was like, yes. oh, this is the black bank. I'm from Harlem. Yeah. I'm gonna go right to 125th Fifth Street. And I, I walked in, I talked, I talked to the bosses. I was like, listen, you know what? You know, it's time for me to go. You know, I thought <laughs> I made it, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I wound up getting a uh, contract to teach financial literacy to foster care, you know, kids. So I thought, mm. I was like, I'm lit. I got this little contract. that's going to help me out. And I'm going to be on television and I'm going to be- become this multimillionaire. Um, and I didn't really understand entrepreneurship. Mm. Um, and so I fell flat on my face, uh, home, w- went through, through foreclosure mm. car about to get repossessed, like literally not even using a hyper, like literally I had to figure out how we were going to eat, man. It was like one of the most embarrassing times of my life. Because you got to think, the fame didn't stop, though. Exactly. It didn't stop. So I'm still on television. I'm still doing book signings, trying to make this thing work. But then I go back home and I got a for sale sign on my lawn. Mm. Try, you know, Because I can't afford the mortgage anymore. You know what I'm saying? So um, that taught me a very important lesson on uh, making sure everything, like, you know your numbers, like, everything, yeah. don't, you know, you know, people say, jump out on faith. I would never say jump out on faith, right? Um, faith is you believing in yourself and believing in what you plan, though, right? Like, yeah, having a yeah. plan. It ain't, yeah. it ain't saying, yo, <laughs> I have faith that I can fly. You ain't never flew before. <laughs> ju- no, no, no. Like, learn, learn. Aerodynamics. <laughs> like, all right, I'm going to jump out this window, but I know that like, gravity is going to make me fall to the ground, so I'm going to jump out the window with a parachute, and I'm going to pull it. At the, like, you got to know all of that stuff, and I didn't. I jumped out, and I thought I was going to land on my feet, but I, I, I fell hard. Uh, but it was a great – I wouldn't take it back, though, uh, because what wound up happening – was, you know, I oh, matter of fact, I, I even threw a retirement party. Let me tell you how arrogant I was, right? Let me tell you how arrogant I was. I even threw a retirement party. So it was right before my 30th birthday. You can't ever
1: come back after yo, I, that. Yo, I was like, yo,
0: yo, I had at the 40-40 club. Like, I, yo, I went crazy with it. Thank God. I think I, I think Facebook took away the albums, because they're probably still <laughs> on my Facebook, right? But um uh, I, I even did a retirement party, but I wound up having to go back to work. Uh, which again was a blessing because yeah. going back to work, um, I had a good resume. I chalked it up. I said, yo, you know what, I'm gonna go back to work. And that's how I got the opportunity to become a CEO of a credit union because I was working at Citibank. Then I started doing a lot of um workshops in the neighborhood. And the person who owned the uh, the nonprofit that ran the 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 credit union was like, We need a we need a new CEO. And that's how I got that opportunity. But then I realized I was like, all right, after after I went back to work, I said, you know what, I'm never gonna. Uh, just quit cold turkey. So, so while I was, when I went back to work, I just started building my business at the same time. And it got to a point where I was making enough money where I could actually quit, but I didn't. I said, you know what? Let me still keep a job, but let me get less responsibility. So, mm-hmm. I demoted myself. I said, you know what? I don't want to be a manager no more. I'm going to work as a financial counselor. So, I did, uh, I worked in Millbrook Projects in, in, in the Bronx uh, as a financial counselor. Uh, was still super duper famous. It was so funny because I remember one time uh, I was at that time, you know, Deja Vu and Earthquake had their show on WblS yeah. and I used to come in every Tuesday to to do financial segments and stuff. So I, I, I'm i in this, I'm in this, uh, in, in the projects downstairs in the basement sitting down. I'm, I'm staying out the way, right? I'm getting like 40, 50,000 a year, but I, I just need that to pay the mortgage or whatever. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I remember one day, um, you know, uh, WBLS was on and one of my coworkers heard. And it was like, that sounds like the guy that work here. You know what I'm saying? And they came in and it was like, yo, you that guy? And, you know, the, the jig was up. So <laughs> a few months later I left um, and went full time. But, um, but yeah, so it was a great example um, or a great experience that showed me that, you know, you have to have a plan. And even though you have a plan, that plan may go in different directions. Yeah. Um, but don't, don't fall um for what everybody's saying that like 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 oh you got to be an entrepreneur uh you know my brother storm leroy always says that your job is your first business partner um and that's how we got to look at it if you have a nine to five right now you know be grateful for it know that that nine to five is supporting your dreams it's supporting your family It's supporting your financial freedom um I've been an entrepreneur and, and the only thing I was holding on to was, you know, that being that entrepreneur, that's not a great feeling, especially because business happens. Yeah, a flaw and so it. if you don't, if you don't have a stable foundation, when business happens, it could, it can literally destroy you. So if you have that foundation, hold on to it until you get to a space where in your business, like, like I'm at, I'm at a space now where I make more than I, I, I need. So I'm cool. Like I'll yeah. go with the ebbs and flows. But if you're not at that space where you haven't really tested the waters yet and you don't really know, I will hold, you know, hold on to that security, hold on to that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not, don't let people trick you into thinking that you don't have faith because you're holding on to what God gave yeah. you though. Right. No, oh, that's good. Right? Say that again. Yo, like people be like, "Oh, like, like God is telling me to go this way," but God gave you the job too. So, 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 so people be trying to trick you into thinking, "Look, I'm, I'm not gonna, uh, like, if, if I hold on to this job, I'm showing God that I don't." Tr- no, God, God gave you the job. God gonna tell you when to leave. Hold on to what God that's gave good. you until God give you the sign, you know, to live in abundance. You know,
1: that's good. And and even what you said, man, so many nuggets. Um, a few of the things that, that stood out to me were. Um, and especially, I can see this happening even more so in today's age with social media. I tell folks all the time, you got to focus on being profitable, not popular. Oh, yeah. Because you can be popular, like I said, between the, you know, if he was the radio, but easily somebody could be on Instagram, yep. they could be on TikTok and thinking they're doing it. Yep. But like you said, not having control of those numbers. Yeah. And not having control of, like, okay, this is how much I need to even, how much I know I need to survive, what yep. my expenses are, how much I know I need to make. I have people that, Join our programs all the time and say, hey, you know what? I never really even looked at my expenses mm. until I had to look to see if I had enough to afford right. <laughs> signing up with you. Right. But but having commanded those right, so making sure, hey, I'm more profitable than I am popular. Um, the other thing that stood out to me that you talked about um, was you had humility because mm-hmm. a whole lot of people, no matter how bad stuff is, they wouldn't go back and get that job. Yeah, because once you'd have had the party, yeah, you know. Because I'm sure all of us think, like, man, like they gonna, gonna talk about me when I go in. Oh, but but it's still getting past that to still go in there and be like, hey, I gotta provide for my family. What am I saying? You yeah. know, I got a wife, I got a kid, like I gotta get out there and put some resumes in, make some calls, or whatever. Yeah. Cause I think too many people just get stuck, like I said, in that ego. Yeah. And what will people think of me? What will they expect? But
0: people ain't paying your bills. Exactly. So, exactly. so so you going back to do what you had to do for your family, man. And, I, I and, commend you and, on that. And you know, you know, you know, the other thing about that though is. Um, a lot of times people take delay as denial, right? Mm. I know what God told me. God, God told me I would be where I am, right? And greater, I yeah. knew that. But, you know, sometimes you gotta take a step back to take a step forward, right? Like I remember T.D. Jakes having, you know, giving this example about the bow and arrow, right? The, 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 the arrow doesn't have its full force until you pull it back. And once you let go, whatever's in, in the way of that arrow is going to be destroyed. And so s- people are so stuck on um, going one direction, but just know that the ups, the downs, the forwards, the backwards, all of that is all part of the process. The good, the bad, the ugly are all working for your greater good. Like I needed that, right? Mm-hmm. Think about this though for a second, right? If I hadn't gone through foreclosure or you know, I didn't, we, you know, we wound up saving the house, but right. potential foreclosure. If I hadn't, uh, knew how to like look for, you know, how to how to feed the kid, you know, and and and, and eat. Um, if I didn't have to quit, like, like how credible would I have been, right? Yeah. If I just quit my, I was making six figures, right? Left the projects, had this beautiful career, made six figures and then jumped into an entrepreneur and I was successful as an entrepreneur. Like how credible would I be yeah. with anybody on the fence about leaving? No, I. Yeah. you know, this experience is helping me to this day as I talk to certain people and I, you know, get to give them advice financially. Um, and so, you know, a lot of things have to happen and we just got to we got to trust fully, though. Not only when we think it's good, we got to trust hundred percent. You know,
1: mm, that's good. That's good. All right. So now you're a full time entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, you leave the second time. Did you do another retirement
0: party? I didn't. No, no. Okay. I, was like, <laughs> I said I, I, went, I went. The second time I went quietly. You know what I'm I was like,
1: let me, let me ease on out here. Let me tip on out. I'm gonna sure. say yeah, yeah, you're not. bad boy if You didn't know that, another way. did another one. Like, not. hey, we bigger. We bigger. We bad. We yes. never coming back. Not. All right. So y'all here, uh, uh, you know, full time entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um. Like now, was it totally like, hey, you know, I'm blossoming, I'm doing the books. Like, what did that look like where you got like totally locked
0: in and there was no coming back? Yeah, I think success. for me, it was really, it was the books. It was creating multiple streams of income, right? Okay. So, um, you know, I learned how to leverage my book to get other business. And so mm-hmm. at the time, I thought I was going to become a millionaire through books, like I was gonna sell a million copies, and that's what that was what's gonna do it. But what I realized was the book was a gateway to other things: speaking engagements, um, you know, con, you know, you know, content marketing right. contracts, um, creating my own, you know, groups and programs and things of that nature. So that's that's when I knew I was like, all right, I'm good because I want to say, you know, by by the time I left the second time, I want to say it was like 2013. Um, when I left the second time, you know, I, I was probably making about 50, 60 grand from book sales alone. Right. Yep. And so I'm like, oh, that's cool. I'm good. Cause I, you know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, I don't live a lavish life. So I was like, my mortgage is 1500. I I could do that off of 60,000, you know? Yeah. Um, and then speaking engagements and, you know, being able to speak, uh, I want to say, you know, maybe at the time I'm charging five to seven, $7,000, 5000 7000 for a speech. So I, 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 could do that. Um, then realizing that brands would pay you. So like, you know, I, I've done stuff with, you know, with Experian, with Credit Karma, like they, you know, to be like an ambassador. Yep. And so as I started to realize that. The more and more I was doing, the more I was putting myself out there as an authority, you know, root word, author, right? As an authority uh, in the space, it opened the door for, for everything else. 2014, um, I, start, I you know, I did my own radio show, the AshCast show. I did that for about four years. Um, that also gave me a second voice. So now, yeah. you know, I'm doing radio. Now I'm bringing, you know, I'm bringing guests on there and I'm doing affiliate programs. It was just so many different streams of income. That I was like, look, you was ready to quit with just with just one <laughs> thought of one income, one source of income. Yeah. Now you got all these different sources of income that you could not necessarily fall back on, but you could like pump, pump life into all of them, and that that's what gave me the the confidence to just you know to just quit, um, and and really because as I started to notice that my income that I was making as an entrepreneur was more than what I was you know making at you know at, at the job. Um, and then I stopped loving the job. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it, it became it was it was routine. It was the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, I, I couldn't take certain opportunities because I had to act for days off and things of that nature. Um, and so that at that moment, I took the leap of faith, right? Which is not really yeah. a leap. It's really like, all right, you you don't you don't know what's there, but but you have a good idea, and if you keep walking in an, in the right direction, and you're you're walking towards freedom. And yeah, that's when I I, I took it, and I was like, I. Right, I ain't looking back.
1: So I know you work with a lot of authors now. Yeah. Um, Is that some of the principles that you teach them? Like, hey, you know, we can take this book and then turn this book into multiple streams of revenue?
0: Yeah, 100%. So I have a... A program called, we call it Six Fab, a six-figure author blueprint, Um, because anybody who has a story, anybody who has a business, uh, anybody who has value and can help somebody with some type of problem and give them a solution uh, could easily make six figures with their book. Um, And so what we do um, is really just help them start with the end in mind, right? A lot of people say, I want to write a book. And they start in the beginning with the book, and then Try to figure out the rest later.
1: What else can I do? How else can I make money exactly. now that I got the book? Nah, it's too late.
0: We're not doing that. Six-figure off the blueprint is saying, start with the end in mind. What What does the end look like? What What can you help people do? What is, what is the solution? And then now create the business idea, right? Create the mastermind. Create the group coaching. What kind of live events can you do? What kind of course could you do? And then now, by the time you get to this book, now you have a, a whole outline and you write the book to lead them into the business, and uh, I've helped a lot of you know clients make you know six figures. I have one uh, so far, one seven figure client who followed this model and was able to kind of throw you know you know blow it out the water. Uh, but it's really just understanding that you know the, who nobody cares about your story. Mm. Nobody cares about your you story. You hurt somebody feelings watching. Yo, nobody <laughs> look. Nobody cares about your story. <laughs> The only thing they care about is what your story could do for them.
1: Mm, That's good.
0: Right? And a lot of people be like, yo, I've been through this. I've been through that. I've been through that. I want to tell my story. Nobody cares. What you got to do is say, how how will your story help somebody? Right? Right now, if somebody's listening to me, they're going to say, yo, I'm at that point. I'm ready to quit. But you know what? Because I heard Ash's story, I'm not going to quit just yet. I'm going to hold on to... Right. And so it's not... They're not glorifying my story. Right. They're looking at the attachment of how my story is going to help them. And so that's why I tell everybody, take you out of it. Think about the per, your, your clientele. Because if you're writing a story because you feel like God delivered you and you just want to tell your story, then, you, then you're then you not going to be successful. In fact, I that was me. I have a book uh, that I wrote with my daughter. And at the time, I was like, oh... Everybody's hey gonna love this book. <laughs> I was like, yo, it's a black man. Black dad? Black, <laughs> black daughter. I got my daughter. I put us on the cover. It's called Taylor's Way. Man, man, I wrote that book over a decade ago. If I sold 10 copies, I wow. And it's a great book. Yeah. But I wrote it for me. I, I thought the idea was good. I was confusing the audience because it's like Taylor's Way, life lessons learned through a, through the through the eyes of a three-year-old. Is it a kid's book? Is it an adult book? Mm. Did did parents tell you they want to learn from a kid? Like I didn't. You know what I'm <laughs> I didn't do the proper research, and so you know I always tell people to start with the end in mind. Focus on your audience. Focus on the person that you can help, though, and then work you know, work backwards. And even your cover, the title should be focused on them, right? Mm-hmm. I remember I had a client who um, had this book title that was sentimental mm-hmm. to them but meant nothing to the audience. And they're like, oh, no, this is a, a dope cup. I was like, nah, this ain't yeah. it. <laughs> all due respect, I love the sentimental part and how it connects to you and your family. and all. I'm like, all right, I love that. But your, or, the person who's reading it is going to be confused. They're going to read this title and not know what this book is about. Um, and they wind up not changing the title in the book. did nothing. Yeah. It was a great book. You know, and so you always have to always think about your audience, um, and yeah, and that's, that's that's what we teach them, and, and it's and it's, it's a great thing.
1: I'm, I'm So I'm curious, right, back to one of your books, you mentioned you went back and put your face on the cover. Yeah. And I'm always interested when people do that or not. Was it because you had the notoriety, you were on, on the radio, on things like that, you wanted to boost it for your personal brand, or is that is that something
0: you recommend? Yeah, so it, de- it depends who your audience is, right? Okay. So I'll give you a, a quick example. Um, at the time I wrote that book... There was only Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey. Like there weren't yeah. black people writing about money. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, flash out to Lynette Calfani. There was, there was, there was. You know, they, they, we were out there, but not, in not mainstream. Not like now. Yeah. Not like now, right? And so, you know, it was, it was Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman. And I say, yo, I'm gonna put my face on it so they can know that this is a book specifically for black people, right? Or, or it's a black guy, because anybody can read it, right. but it's a black guy giving you financial financial lessons, you know? Doesn't, so that's why. I, so still, was a marketing. There was a marketing yeah, where a lot marketing. of people
1: just say, hey, this is my book. Exactly. I'm putting my cover on it, but then people looking like, I don't know you. Exactly. <laughs>
0: this don't make me do it. And so, but you had a specific tradition. Another thing. example, though, my the book that I did after that is called What the FICO 12 Steps to Repairing Your Credit. What do I need my, my face on that for, right? Because like like you know, credit repair, there's you know, seven out of ten credit reports have errors in them. And that's white, black, Spanish, Asian, it don't matter. Yeah. So I so so from a marketing perspective, putting my face on a credit book wouldn't make sense. So it's it's you you don't even know it's me until you look at the back of the book. And at that point you bought the book already. Yeah. Um, and so I think that even putting your face, whether you choose to put your face on it, like your cover is part of your marketing as well.
1: Mm, yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. Now I know a lot of time when I see you speaking on stages, you're speaking about uh wealth and yes. wealth mindset mentality. Yeah. What are you what are some misconceptions you think people
0: have when it comes to wealth? Oh man, I think the biggest misconception people have is that the harder the the harder they work, the more money they'll make. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think that's a big fallacy. I think that um you know one of my favorite books is called Think and Grow Rich, right? Yeah. And people uh, focus on grow rich, but they don't think, they don't focus on the <laughs> think part, right? Um, What I, what I, what I, you know, the biggest misconception is that uh, you could just work your way to wealth, but you could, th- you have to think your way to wealth. You have to uh, strategically figure out, um, you know, you know, what do you have to, or who do you have to be in order to uh, start to create wealth? Um, And then also uh, people are afraid to invest in themselves. Um. I've never met anybody wealthy who has not invested in themselves, right? You can invest your way to wealth, you know? Uh, you can't save your way to wealth. So, you know, that's another misconception that, especially yeah. our community, yeah. um, we're taught to save and we, we hold tight onto this seed that was meant for us to plant. Yeah. But we're holding on to it and because we holding on to it it's not in fertile fertile soil so it's not growing, right? Um the, the seed was meant for you to let go. It was meant for you to, you know, to plant it. It was meant for it to grow um and so, you know, investing, you know, making sure uh, that we're investing first and foremost in ourselves. Um, you know, investing, you know, real estate, you know, all the other stuff. Yeah. Um, but we got to invest in ourselves because the truth of the matter is that even if you invest in a business, or so if you invest in you know, whatever you want to invest in, if you don't have the proper mindset, it ain't going to work anyway. Right. That's why we see people, so many stories of athletes, entertainers, lottery winners, make a lot of money. And then lose it all. Lose it all, yeah. Because they didn't have the wealth mindset, right? So if you're if you're giving wealth principles to somebody who have a poverty mindset, they're gonna go back to being poor. But it but you have to increase that. And so make sure you're investing in your knowledge, masterminds, uh-huh. so important, right? Because you want to get around people who have the result that you want and striving to that result, opposed to being a top of the bottom, getting advice from people who don't even understand. What it takes to get where you want to go. Yeah. What was the, before we started taping? You uh, talked about a quote. Yeah. And it was about kind of like stretching your mindset yeah. and challenge. What was What was that piece? Yeah. Einstein about? said, "Once a mind is stretched to a to a new size, it can never go back down." And so, you know, you know, again, growing up in the projects and growing up, you know, low income, single parent home, the youngest of three. Like I didn't like my mother almost killed me when I told her I was going to quit quit working to be an mm-hmm. like entrepreneur. Yeah. What the hell? What is that? Why are you cursing? Right? Like she didn't understand, and I love my mother dearly, but she didn't understand, and so I had to like, you know, you know, jump out and get around other people who yeah. saw the vision, who knew the vision, and that's how your mind gets stretched, right? Because you know, I was I was saying the story. And I'm gonna say this on record, uh, you know, you know, Lamar is the first person that helped stretch my mind as far as being able to make a lot of money in a short period of time. Uh, I remember, you know, I actually came to see the the, the beautiful building, um, and at the time, I think the most I had made in a month was about thirty thousand as an entrepreneur, right? And so I was, I, I, I was wearing that as a badge. I'm like, yo, thirty thousand in a month, like I'm killing it. And I remember. Um, you know Lamar was like, man yo you know you know if you do this this intensive you can make about thirty thousand in a day and I'll be honest like I was nervous when you said that because i was like thirty thousand in one day like that never occurred to me like I've right. never thought about making that much money in a day and so literally like you know i'm a I'm a master manifester right so like i I meditate I pray like I know how to you know, you know, you know, manifest things in real life. So I remember like one of my routines is while I'm in the shower, it's so peaceful. I Like I, I meditate on what I want. So I was meditating on this 30,000 in a day, 30,000 in a day. And I remember uh, doing what you said. I was scared yeah. uh, and I was able to make 38,000, right? That, you know, did the intensive, made 38,000 in a day. And, and that uh, was the start of stretching my mind. Because then I started asking myself, if I can make thirty thousand a day. I wonder if I can make six figures in a day, and right. so on and so forth. And um, man, now you know I've been able to generate millions of dollars in one day,
1: millions. But like you said, it all starts with just even thinking. It's, like, yeah, that's what I try to get across to people so many times. Um, if you can't see it, right? We say all the time, you can't see it, you can't be it. Facts. But that's so true. Like, like if if your mind, if it's impossible and you think it's it like, like, money just don't work like right. that. It's not that, people say what? It's not that easy exactly. to make money, right? Exactly. Money just don't grow on trees, yeah. Yeah. All, all of this. But yeah. it's literally like when you stretch your mind and you realize that all things are possible, then how you operate is different. How you think about, even at the level of ideas you exactly. come up with is different. A lot of times, you only have to come up with the idea.
0: Yeah. It's other people with the ideas, you just gotta get in the right room, yep. right? The idea's in the room, you just gotta get there. Yeah, That's the that's the one because that's what people don't realize, right? Success leaves clues. We are so focused on creating, like our ego is telling us, oh, I, I'll be the first to know. <laughs> Get in a room, find somebody who has the, the level of success that you want, watch what they do, pay them whatever they charge, and do what they say, right? Man, you know how much money, like Lamar's made me so much money, like I, and I, like, he's made me so much money, like, like everything from the way he runs his mastermind to his events. Like, I'm not creating a wheel. You know, I'm not recreating a wheel. What happens is, Lamar's Lamar, though. Ash Cash is Ash Cash. That's right. So, at the end of the day, Lamar's going to do it the way Lamar would do it. And so, I'm not trying to be Lamar. Right? Like, I don't... I I walk in, I'm Ash Cash. Like, I'm... Like, like I, you know, my, my mic keep popping and they got the motor of volume. <laughs> I yell. Right? So, I'm, so I'm, I'm being me, right? But... The fundamentals don't change, right? Like like I play basketball. The fundamentals of basketball don't change. I might, you know, you know showboat a little bit or I might do something that makes it like, "Oh my god, your ass is," but no at the end of the day the fundamentals are the fundamentals. And so getting in the room, like I know that's a buzzword right now. Right. Everybody's like get in the room. Don't let uh the fact that things are buzzwords let you miss your blessing. Oh, that's good. Get in the room. Because the room has already figured it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, your mastermind, you already have seven-figure, eight-figure, like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's already there. So now, when you come with your idea and now you're hearing how other people got their success, they're able to say, yo, oh, if I implement it this way, like my sauce, I'm going to implement it that way and that's how you become successful. I don't believe there's any success that I've had that I did not borrow, you know, a clue or a tip from somebody. Every single thing, everything that I've done, I've watched somebody else do it. I paid to be in a room. I sat in the room and I was quiet. I was watching. I was listening. And then I implemented. Then I got a result and I said, damn, I didn't get the result they got. All right, let me let me listen again. Right, because people get into a mastermind one time and they're like, I'm gone. All <laughs> right, oh, I got everything I need. No, you don't. Keep keep, keep coming, because things are going to change. You're going to have to pivot. You're going to have to adjust. So you always, you always mm-hmm. want to be in a space with people that are elevating. So that way, as you're implementing, you're able to elevate as well. Yeah,
1: and that's good, because even as you begin to implement, you begin to hear the same information differently. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, I, I tell people a lot of times, you know, even when we're doing, you know, uh, challenges or, you know, if they come into a conference or whatever, like like you said, you got to stay tuned in and locked in yeah. because the first time you hear something, right, most times you can't implement off the very first time you hear it because right. your brain is just kind of like just being exposed to it yep. and it's just like trying to process, like I don't get all the pieces, even if you can't implement, you can't implement 100%. Yeah, You maybe do 20, 30, 40, 50 tops, yeah. but it's then once you've implemented, then boom, now I got something, now I got some data, now I know what he or she was talking about when they mention this, so I can go back into the pit again, hear it again, hear it from an entirely different lens and say, all right, I got steps one through four, was five through eight? Exactly. And then let me go back and implement that.
0: And you know, the great thing also um, is that I think Jay-Z once said, you only have to be right once, right? Um, You know, I'm sure, you know, when when you started TSP, it's like, all right, let me figure out, let me figure this out. But once you knew like, yo, TSP, that's the one, now... All you have to do is keep the the, the foundation, that structure. Yeah. And every when, as things are changing. All right, let me. All right, let me do this. All right, let me do this a little different. All right, let me do this a little different. But but at your core, you are, and and your company is what it is, right? Um, that's the importance of getting in the room because as a new entrepreneur, your pro, you don't. This is new to you. You don't know nothing. Right. So now you need to get in the room to implement different styles. Right. All right. Let me try this style. Oh, this did not work. All right. Let me try this style. But then once you're right, once you try the style that works for you, and you're right, now you know the core of your success. Now, in you know, when you get in the room, it's for a whole different reason. It's not to figure out the core because you know what's working. Now it's to say, how do I take this core and 10x that core, or 100x that core, and take it to the next level? Um, and so I love masterminds. I love um, you know you know being around like-minded people. I love. Um, you know, you know, being not being um, a big fish in a small pond, right? Like, yeah. there's times where you could you could think you killing it, right? <laughs> you you getting that right? You getting that you're right like, <laughs> like I'm telling you, like like like, like I'm in a mastermind. We're both in a mastermind. Yeah. Where like when when people were like, "Yo, I made a million in a like a million in a day,"
1: <laughs> I said,
0: "What?" <laughs> but then you start you like you cannot you cannot hear it right. you can't unstress your mind um, and then you start to figure out all right bet if that's if that's possible forget if 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 I could do it if it's even possible yeah. let me at least attempt to 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 do it you and then know? we see it's possible across multiple people exactly then you're like nah
1: we got yeah yeah so yeah. If, if I say all the time right if if everyone else can do it why not you? exactly right exactly. and and I think people literally going back to mindset. You know, if they see people crossing the stage getting an award, yeah. if they see people posting on social, and you know, valid people, there's real people, right? Yeah. Like, like Ash, right? Ash, Ash posts them on social. I ain't like, <laughs> right. <come> on, son. <laughs> <laughs> nah, you know, I know he out here. Yeah. You know, he he's a person of uh, of ethical standards, yeah. right? Yeah. So when I'm seeing all these things happening. You know, it's the main thing I always think about is like I say, when I see it happen for other people, then that means it can happen for me too. 100 percent And I I totally believe that I'm tapped in, I have the potential that everybody else has. Like I said, just my way. Exactly. And and I I think even that point you hit on is so important. um, because everybody has something special about them. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, like I play around too much. Mm -hmm. So when I'm on stage. On playing. Right right, right, right. Does everybody like it? Nah, we got right. some people can play in the surveys. But guess <laughs> exactly. what? I'm not my people. Right, exactly. But the people exactly. love somebody play too much, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they can't get enough, right? Right, right? Um, you know, i lean into my DMV vernacular even more when I'm on Absolutely. stage, right? Yeah, like yeah. all those things that make me uniquely me, yeah, is is all the things that I know that attract people to me. But yeah. as you said too, right? Tying it in, man, you would dropping a whole lot of nuggets, right? Like that abundance versus scarcity mindset. Yeah. yeah. Having the abundance mindset, I also am not afraid. Um, To collaborate, to meet what, to yeah. connect with other people, to have other people like you on my show, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? To have amazing programs, amazing masterminds, mm-hmm. amazing challenges. Because I know that there's people watching that say, hey, Lamar, cool, but he ain't for me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But they can see Ash cash and say, now that dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to connect. But Come knowing on. that, guess what? Me and you could have the two biggest
0: programs in the world yeah. and still not touch es- exactly, absolutely, absolutely. And th- and that's the. I- I'm glad you said that because I think that's what people don't realize. People don't realize that yes, there are people for you, but there's also people not for you too. <laughs> right? Yes. Like I don't want anybody in my program that I irk. Right. Like, I don't (laughs) want anybody in my program that like I want I want to be energetic, aligned with people. You know what I'm saying? I want people to 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 appreciate me. I want, you know, you know, like like I want this to be a a give and take type of relationship. And what people who have lack mentality, they they want everybody because they think they could service everybody. But you could actually be hurting people. Right. If you're not for them. And you want them and you get them into your program or if you get them into your your space and you're teaching them and you and they're not, you could actually be hurting them because they, they're not implementing, you know, what you need them to implement the way it should be implemented. So, you know, understand that abundance is your birthright. There is more than enough. Right. There is more than enough for everybody. You know, we, like you said, we all have the same access, right? We're made in the image and likeness of God. Whatever you believe in, this is not religious. This is, you know, whatever you believe in, whatever your higher power is... We have the same access to it. So if anybody else could do it, you can do it too. Just know abundance is your birthright. Mm,
1: I love it, man. Tell the people if they want to find out more about you. Um, how can they get in touch with you? What you got coming up?
0: Yeah, so you could go uh to my website, imashcash.com. Uh follow me on all social media uh platforms, Iamashcash. cash. Uh everything is on my website though. So uh, my podcast, Inside the Vault with Ash Cash, the greatest money mindset show on the planet. You know Ever. what I'm saying? I got Lamar Ever. and Ronnie. You know what I'm saying? Are uh, inside the vault. They're insiders, alumni. Check that out. But everything you you have, my books, my programs, events, anything you need, just go to imashcash.com and then follow me on all social media platforms.
1: Look, and I'm gonna tell y'all, this is serious. Cause Ronnie don't come out for most people's stuff, right? Veronica <laughs>
0: we got the call from the Ash, <laughs> Ronnie was blessing. there front and center. Yes. And making it happen. Yes. And you got a big event coming up too. Yeah, listen, this event is gonna be monumental. Matter of fact. Like it's a it's a we call it the mega conference. Uh, it's happening in in Miami, uh, October twentieth to the twenty second. Okay, um, we got some big dogs. We got T D. Jakes. Hold we up, got, the bishop. Yo, the bishop. <laughs> Matter <laughs> of fact, I think this is the first time the bishop is speaking since he passed the throne to to his wow, daughter. Yeah, I which is a big moment. It's a big I moment saw it everywhere. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so this is gonna be the first time post retirement, if you will that he's going to touch the stage. Um, and it's an honor because, like, not everybody could get the bishop. You know what I'm saying? You got to know no. somebody who knows somebody. Um, and there was an energetic alignment, so we were able to get, uh, you know, Bishop T.D. Jakes. We got Grant Cardone. We got Myron Golden. You know, I'll be on the stage. Marvin Mitchell. Storm Leroy. Ian Dunlap. Wall Street Trapper. Like, Eileen Wilder. Dr. Del Toro. Uh, uh, Dr. Darius Daniels. <laughs> like, we got, yo, we got a... a, a How you get all these people man. in one place at one time? And, and it, you know, it's just a blessing because, uh, you know, we're living at a time where people are saying that there's a recession, bad economic mm-hmm. times and things of that nature. Uh, and I believe that those times only exist if you want to participate. Right. Um, you know, don't let the news scare you. Don't let high interest rates scare you. Uh, there's a lot of money. The money doesn't disappear. Right.
1: Right. Oh, that's good.
0: It doesn't disappear. It just means it's changing hands. And the people who are trying to make you afraid just don't want the hands to be yours. Mm. So they want you to be in fear so you don't understand how to attract that money to you so you can change the trajectory of your family's life. And so everybody on the lineup is going to teach you uh, abundance principles, how to live in abundance, how to get to the path to prosperity. Right. That's what it's called. Um, so, you check us out. The Path to Prosperity mega conference. Uh, you could go to path to prosperity
1: all right, there you go, y'all. You heard it directly from Ash Cash. So make sure you support them, follow them on social, and make sure you get your tickets to the Path to Prosperity conference. Um, I need to see if I can rearrange this thing It's my oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of tight man. that week with all the people, right? <laughs> and y'all, let me let me just say this right, like the three of y'all alone yeah. is enough. But then when you dial up everybody else. It might be overload. It's different.
0: It might be overload. It's different. So,
1: listen, right? I want to make sure y'all support and check it out. And then make sure we'll drop the link down below and post it below, too. Make sure you go check out me and Ronnie's episode on Inside the Vault. Uh, Probably
0: one of my favorite interviews. Y'all barred up. (laughs) <laughs> like when I tell you like Lamar is the bar master like that interview was so impactful. You make sure y'all check it out. It was it was really a, a impactful interview. One of my favorite to even like watch, you know what I'm saying? So, yo, check that out.
1: All right, y'all. We appreciate you and thank you for watching the show. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Traffic Sales and Profit Show. Hey, do me a favor. If you enjoyed what you heard today, subscribe and follow us on this platform right now to make sure you do not miss a beat as we drop new episodes and additional content every single week. Also, if you'd like to get access to a free paperback copy of my book, access to the TSP Traffic Sales and Profit free Facebook group our challenges, resources, our events and more, make sure you visit us at www.trafficsalesandprofit.com forward slash podcast.